0: a great start to your day. My name is Maddie, and today Joe has asked me to read some scripture for you guys. We're going to be reading John eleven seventeen through 35, if you guys would like to read along. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. I am the resurrection and the life, and one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she says. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, and saw him she fell at his feet and said lord if only you had been here my brother would not have died when jesus saw her weeping and the jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see lord they replied jesus wept
1: thank you jesus for your word so friends i uh want to introduce you guys to maddie um you guys see Maddie up here as part of the as part of the worship team. She's also one of our high school students, and uh, so we ex- I appreciate her coming up here today, and I want to take a moment and uh, pray for our day, but I also want to pray for Maddie and the and the worship team and the high school students, and just so that we just just to bring this all together. So if you join me, I'd appreciate it. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the day. I thank you for the faith of the next generation of leaders in this church. I thank you for, for their, their courage to stand forth and say, I, I, belong to a, I belong to the family of God and that I stand firmly in the promises of his word. And, and I pray, Lord, today for, the, for the, our high school students. I pray that their faith and their identity is founded deeply in you. And that as they lead moving forward, that the generations of, of people who follow them can follow their example and be led to the, to the God of all creation, the God of all comfort. And Lord, I give you today and I pray that everything we do and say today is glorifying to you. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks, Maddie. So if we haven't met, my name is Joe, and I'm one of the guys who gets to get up here occasionally and talk with you all about the Jesus that I love. And... Today, like Casey said, we are we are entering into um, we are entering into week five of becoming emotionally healthy. And over the course of the last four weeks, we've been wrestling through uh, a series big idea. And the series big idea is this: is that spiritual maturity is having a healthy relationship with God, myself, and others. And I think it's important for us today to say, what does that really look like? What does it really look like to have a healthy relationship with God, myself, and others? And I believe that this can be narrowed down and, and put in some pretty, pretty, um, pretty simple ways, which is good because I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy, so I need these things to be pretty simple. And, but, but what is this? Having a, having a healthy relationship with God is this, it's believing in who he is. What he has done, and that in those things, in those truths, we find the only lasting way to have a healthy relationship with ourselves and with other people. It's believing that God is who he says he is, and that he did what he said he had, he, he what he did what he said he would do. And that in that we find who we are. And that's how we have a lasting relationship, a healthy relationship with ourselves. We have a healthy relationship with ourselves by believing and living from the truth of who God says that we are and also recognizing who we aren't. Because oftentimes we can look at ourselves and and either undersell our importance to the God of all creation and discount the things that he says about us, or we can place ourselves on a pedestal that we don't belong on. And so, having that healthy relationship with ourselves is understanding who God says we are, believing in it, living from it, and also not, and also understanding who we aren't. But then it rolls into our relationships with others. And a healthy relationship with others, I believe, was laid out last week very, very well by Casey. And if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. But it's this it's seeing God's image in everyone, regardless of of our differences, regardless of, our other, of their otherness, just truthfully, regardless of, our, of their brokenness and our brokenness, it's seeing God's image in them. And this is how we have healthy relationships with God, ourselves, and others. And when we have those healthy relationships, then we can look and we can dig into this quote from Pete Scazzaro that we've also been wrestling with that says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable, If we're not having an emotionally healthy relationship with God, ourselves, and others, we can't be spiritually mature. mature. See, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally healthy. You know, and today, we're talking about a difficult subject. Today, we're talking about a difficult subject, and the reason it's a difficult subject is, one, because it affects every person in this room. It's going to, if it hasn't affected you yet, Brace yourselves because it's going to. And the other reason is because it's often something that we handle in a very immature way. We're talking about grief. And grief is hard. When we deal with grief, my friends, we deal with this in an emotionally, oftentimes in an emotionally immature way. We run, run from it. We hide from it. We bury it. We act like a little kid who's playing hide and go seek and they cover their eyes, and if they can't see you, you don't exist. And you obviously can't see them. And that's how we deal with grief. And friends, we all know as adults, as, as, as teenagers, as older folks, that if we cover our eyes, we're still visible. Grief doesn't go away just because we ignore it. It doesn't go away just because we pretend it doesn't exist. But oftentimes, that can be our default. But today, we're gonna take some time and we're gonna look at what does it mean to grieve well and find the treasures that can be uncovered in those moments. But I think to begin this, we have to understand, we have to look at a couple of things. And and, um, last week, you guys got introduced to our friend Mike Grubbs up here on the front, and he sent me a couple little notes. When he looked over my notes from this, because I want to tell you, this is a heavy subject, so I took it real seriously. So I sent it to people who are much more experts than I am. And and, uh, Mike sent me a note back, and he said, Joe, he says, it's important for us to look at the difference between mourning and grieving. And so I did a lot of digging into this, and this is what he said. He says, mourning is an expression of grief that's usually short-term. It does, it's, it's, it's an, and and I, the more I looked into this, the more I realized it's that moment of the most intense emotion that you're going to experience as part of your grieving process. It's usually short-term. Now, short-term doesn't mean an hour or two. Don't get me wrong with this. Short-term could mean days. It could mean weeks. Honestly, it could mean a month or two. It could, you could have moments of intense emotion that stick with you for a while. But it's part, it's the beginning part of the grieving process. And what's grieving? Grieving is a long-term process of dealing with a loss. And this could be any kind of loss. This could be the loss of a loved one. This could be the loss of a loved one. This last week, we had three services through our church where people had lost loved ones, and it's just an incredibly deep wound, and it hurts. It could be the loss of hopes and dreams. It could be the, a, a loss. You could grieve when you, when you get to a stage in life and your kids have moved out of the house, and you're all of a sudden alone. It could be any. It could be the loss of it could be the loss of a relationship it could be the loss of a job it could be the you could grieve the loss of your health when you find when you get that call from a doctor that you're not expecting it's any level of loss but it's a it's a process that we're gonna have to go through you see and we have to recognize in that that grieving is hard grieving is hard Grieving is not something that comes easy for anyone. And and I found this, I have this incredible little book that I read. It's called A Grief Observed. It's by C.S. Lewis. And in that, there's two quotes that I grabbed from that. It says, No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. And in grief, we can feel afraid. We can be overwhelmed with the fear of unknown, the fear of what's next, the fear of, the fear of, oh my goodness, what just happened? Can that happen to me? We can be overwhelmed with fear. He also said it is like the same leg being cut off time after time. You see, because grief is not a momentary thing. It is a process. We will see things. We will hear things. We will encounter people who didn't know of our loss and will bring things back up. And we will have to have that, that, that wound will be scratched at and worked through time after time. This will happen again and again. You see, again, like I said, grief is hard. In a more modern-day way, I found, this, I found this song and it's, uh, you know, modern-day philosopher Katy Perry said, you said to move on, but where do I go? And she's talking about a loss and people telling her it's time to move on. But she's saying, I can't, where, where, how do I get away from this? How do I escape? And the truth of the matter is there's not escape from grief. You can't run from it. It's gonna find you. And then I found this last little quote, and I think this encapsulates grief really, really well, but it's not attributed to anybody, but it says this. It says, grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm. And sometimes it is overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. You see, grief is hard. I don't want to discount anyone's grief at all because it is so incredibly difficult. And we all walk through it in different ways. And the truth is, like I said earlier, The other thing is is that grieving is a part of all lives. I had an old friend who used to tell me you're either in crisis, walking out of one, or about to walk into another. Grieving, in the middle of those things, the level of emotion, it is part of all lives. Scripture tells us, in this world, you will have trouble." It also tells us that rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Friends, we can't escape it. Everyone, regardless of how little or how long they've journeyed in this world, you either will encounter grief or you have and probably will again. So, I know that's heavy, but it's true. But in this, like I said earlier, I want to take some time and I want to uncover some comforting truths, some treasures that can be found in our grief. And they begin with four biblical constants about grief. And the first is this, is that we must go through grief. We must go through it. We don't walk around it. Scripture says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Not that I walk around it, not that I avoid it, that I walk through it. And when we do that, Scripture says, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who grieve, for they will be comforted. But we must walk through it. But there's hope in that, that as we walk through it, the second biblical constant is that God is with us in our grieving The 23rd Psalm says, like I said, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David, who understood grief, who understood trouble, understood that he was never alone. Scripture tells us also that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, that he binds up their wounds And when he's with us, he's not just with us, He God helps us. He helps the grieving. He upholds us with his mighty right hand. Scripture tells us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no time in our world where we are more weary and heavy laden than when we are grieving. And what? is one of the things that happens in the moments of most deep grief that we don't get is rest. But when we run to God, he will help us and he will give us rest that we cannot find on our own. And the fourth biblical constant about this is that grieving will end. So if you're walking through something right now and you're leaning into Jesus, hear me out Grieving will end. The book of Revelation says there will come a day when every tear will be wiped away. The book of Romans says what we suffer now is nothing compared to future glory. You see, we will suffer, but what we suffer now is nothing compared to what God has planned for those who call upon his name. You see, the grieving is hard I'm going to say that over and over again because I don't ever want anyone to think that that's not true. Grieving is hard. It's something that we all must go through. But in that, God is with us. He will help us. And there will come a day when grieving will end. And when in this, we get to uncover three Truths. If we lean into those truths, we uncover three treasures that are uncovered in grief, and this is where I want to land for a little while, friends. And you know, earlier Maddie read out of the Book of John, chapter eleven, and we're going to go back to that because I think it's the greatest picture of some of the of some of the comforts, some of the treasures that can be uncovered in grief, because we get to see how did Jesus respond to grief in the moment. And so what's happening here is, is Lazarus, who was Jesus' friend, had died. And Jesus went to be with Mary and Martha, who were also his friends. And he met them in the, mom- in the moment of their deepest, deepest grief. In the morning, when the emotions were at their apex, he met them. And when he did we get to see the very first treasure uncovered in grief and it's the comforting presence of others. The comforting presence of others. You see, it says here in John 11, verse 17, it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. You see, when Jesus showed up, what did he find? He found the people of God comforting their friends. They were receiving the comforting presence of others. The same old friend that that talks about that we're either in trouble, about to walk into trouble, or we're walking out of one, used to tell me this simple thing. He said, Joe, love shows up. We need to be professionals at showing up up. And in those moments, we may not have the words. Our friends may not have the words in those moments. Our, because truthfully, and sometimes there are none. Sometimes when you're staring down the loss of a loved one, when you lose a child, when you lose a spouse, when you lose a dream or just incredible moments of grief, there are no good words. Your presence the presence, the comforting presence of others is the greatest gift we can receive at the highest moment of our grief. We need to be professionals at showing up and we need to be professionals at receiving the comforting presence of others. So we see that the first treasure that's uncovered in grief is that comforting presence of others. The second that we see is the comforting truth of scripture. We see in scripture, that's what this book does. It brings words of comfort when our friends and our relatives and others do not have them. Jesus has them and he left them for us. In this book, we learn that God will never leave us or forsake us. We learn that he will weep with those who weep and celebrate with those who celebrate. We learn, like I said earlier, that he binds up, the, the, brings close the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. We learn that he catches our tears and keeps them in bottles. We learn that, like the kids learn in the back every Sunday, that God knows every hair on our head and every tear we've ever cried or ever will. We see the comforting truth of Scripture. We learn that grieving will end. There's comfort in this. And we see this in what happened with with Jesus when he encountered Martha. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus answered her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I want you to circle those words. Do you believe this? Because to receive the comforting truth of Scripture, we have to answer that question Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And he will do what he says he will do. And that because of him, if we live in him, we will live and not die, even though earthly, our bodies will give out. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, Martha told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come Into the world. You see, friends, the second truth of Scripture is that the second truth that's uncovered, the second treasure that's uncovered is the comforting truth of Scripture. We receive, we receive, we welcome the comforting presence of others, but we must believe the comforting truth of Scripture. So do you believe this? The third comfort, the third treasure is a comforting savior. You know, it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that long ago that my grandma Clausen passed away. And I had the privilege to be able to go see her before she graduated because that's what she did she graduated. She went to see Jesus. She went from class here on earth to graduation in heaven with Jesus. And I got to see her a few days before she graduated. And in my family, my grandfather, who I've talked about here before, um, was unequivocally the spiritual leader of our family. He prayed for us. He prayed over us. Every conversation you ever had with him pointed back to Jesus. And he had passed away a couple years before grandma. So she had had an opportunity to grieve. And I'm sitting there and, and she looks at me and she's the only, one of the only people that, as an adult, got away with calling me this. She goes, little Joey, come here. I wasn't so little at that time. But I walked over and I sat down and she grabbed my hand And she looked at me and she goes, It's okay. She goes, I'm going to see Jesus. And then she prayed. And her prayer was simple it was for two things. One, that I would lean hard into my mom and my dad because she knew they loved me and they would comfort me. And secondly, that I would never forget where the comfort came from. And that's from Jesus, from a comforting Savior. You see, in that moment, I got to experience all three of these treasures. I got to experience the comforting presence of others. I got to experience the comforting presence of the one who was about to go see Jesus. I got to experience the comforting treasure of scripture because she was just pointing me back to it. And I got to experience a comforting savior. And this is what Mary and Martha got to experience. See, Jesus had, Martha had gone and gotten Mary. And Mary came out and her response was the same as Martha's. Lord, if you had been here, if you had just been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. Jesus didn't respond by reprimanding or telling her she was wrong. He didn't do anything. This is what he did. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, the comforting presence of others weeps with those who weep. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. You see, friends, Jesus wept because he wasn't unacquainted with earthly loss. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, is not unacquainted with earthly loss. He's not unacquainted with with earthly pain and suffering. He wept because he lost a friend. He knew what was about to happen, but the pain was still there. He wept also because his friends were weeping, and he was moved in spirit by them. You see, we have a comforting Savior who's not unacquainted with our hurt and who hurts when we hurt. You see, this is the last treasure uncovered in grief, but it's the, it's the foundational treasure of all the others. A comforting Savior who left us comforting words, who empowers and comforts others so that they can comfort us. This is what we do. We receive the comforting presence of others. We trust in the comforting truth of Scripture, and we believe in a comforting Savior. That, my friends, that is the emotionally healthy and spiritually mature way to face down grief. Because in those moments, our Savior will lift us up. He will uphold us when we don't have the strength to stand on our own. He will send words that will, that will speak life into us. And he will uphold our arms through the presence of others like he's done for so many more when they're holding their hands over their head and they can't do it anymore. And he sends people along to hold their arms up for them. God will do this. And this is the comfort we find uncovered in our grief. And we have a choice. We can continue. We can choose to continue like the little kid playing hide-and-seek, to cover our eyes and say it doesn't exist. And to say the monster of grief isn't real. To say it won't get us, it can't get us. Or, we can do what our teaching big idea says, and that's, I will uncover the gift of God's comfort buried in my grief. We can turn to God we can turn to a God who understands, who will never leave us or forsake us, who will bind up our wounds, who will hold us close, who will lift us up when we need it, who will save us and lift us out of our depths of despair into fields that, were, that are vast because he delights in us. But the decision is ours. And if we choose If we choose to do the hard work of walking through grief with a Savior who will carry the load that we cannot carry, who will give us the strength that we need with trusting that our grieving will end, there will come a day when there is a last treasure uncovered in our grief. And it's not something that's done in us, but something that's done through us. You see, God does the healing work in us so that he can do the healing work through us now that doesn't mean that that's going to happen right away that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to find the the words to speak to someone we need to journey through grief ourselves because the god who is the our god who is the great physician has work to do in us because my friends a grief a loss is a is a tearing apart it's a wound that needs to be healed and there is only one great physician and we run to him we run to him and he will heal us and when he does that healing work in us will lead to us being able to, to him being able to do a healing work through us so that when we see someone who is across the aisle who is grieving, who is hurting. We have the ability to walk over there and not say I know exactly what you're going through because we don't, but we've been in the zip code so we know what it means to be the comforting presence of others in that moment. That in time we'll be able to speak the comforting truths that are found through the word of God and in time also be able to introduce them to a comforting savior who is the God of all comfort. You see friends, we see this in 2 Corinthians 1 where it says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. When we let God work in us and he can work through us, we can respond in that emotionally healthy and spiritually mature way and provide the comfort that flows out of us because of what's been poured into us. We can be, we can act in love and be present with people, see the image of God in them even in their worst moments. We can work within the limits of who we are and not who we think and, and not who we aren't and let, the God, let God work through us in how he's created us. We can introduce people to the crucified Jesus who says, come to me. Come to me, your tears are welcome here. I will hold you t- close. Not the Americanized Jesus that says, just keep moving, you're gonna be fine. We will be able to introduce them to Jesus. But the decision I'm receiving this is ours. So maybe today you've got a grief that you've been hiding, that you've been playing hide and go seek with, that you need to move your hand down, look in the face and say, Jesus, I need you to join me here. Maybe today you've got a grief that you need to confess to God. Maybe today is a day where you've been hiding and you say, Lord, I've got this. It hurts so badly. I need you. And and, and in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to do that, not only just individually, but as a group, as the band comes back out and plays. But maybe also you need to find a tribe of people who can journey with you in this moment. And we have an incredible group on Friday nights that will meet you in the middle of your hurts. That's your grief. Meet you in the middle of some habits that can form out of grief. Sometimes hiding from it is the habit we need to break. And they'll meet you in the middle of that hang up, which is the refusal of letting these things go. And there's this incredible group called Celebrate Recovery. And I want to encourage you that if you have a grief that you need help with, go see these folks. If you want to talk about it write grief on your on your connect card drop it off with a leash at the end i'll call you this week or i'll have one of the leaders of that group call you and we'll talk about it but don't do this alone but friends today whatever it is however you need to address the grief that you are carrying whether it is to confess it to god i don't want you to leave today without doing that there's power in confession the healing begins with confession. If you need others, write it down. Let us know. We'll help you. But today, we also want to give us the opportunity, and we are in practice in this in here, friends, about providing comfort to each other. The comforting presence of others can happen right now. So as the band begins to play, if there's moments here where if this is where you're at, and we're going to have everybody stand in just a second. But I want you to find somebody. Pray with them. And this is the prayer. If you have someone that you're praying with, this is the prayer. Father, may your comfort be with my friend in their moments of loss. Now, friends, I don't care how old the grief is. I don't care how fresh it is. The comforting presence of others, you can find it today. Today. Our prayer partners are going to be along the edge. They'd, be, they'd love to pray with you, but I know the people who are with you, the people who are around you would love to pray with you as well. So let's stand and let's be the comforting presence of others for those who need it. I love you, West Side. We'll talk again soon.